ELC Radio. God is going to cause you to change and he's going to cause you to take your promised land, but you got to quit looking for a get rich quick scheme. Come on, somebody. God is thinking peace of you and not evil. That when he thinks about your life, he's not mad at you. The strongest people are people that understand togetherness. All throughout your life, you're on this journey to go from me to we. Love God. Lift others. Life Church. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy another elevated message. Here's Senior Pastor Sergio Lamone. Well, we're excited about this month and the next month as we're beginning a series called Kings and Queens. And I really believe if you get a hold of this word and this revelation, it could change your life. Now, listen, I know every preacher says that about their message. Have you all ever noticed that? No preacher ever gets up and goes, you know, I hope you guys like this. This might help you. It might not. We're always like, this will change your life because we believe in the power of the word of God. And if you can grasp things, your whole existence can change. The only reason my wife and I are up here right now is because the word of God came into our lives and changed us. And it's what we've built an incredible life on, the word of God. And so when I see people's needs and I see people that are hurting or are going through things, the only thing I can point you to is God's word. And that's why we you know, lay down our lives to preach the Bible. And that's why we do all that we do and sacrifice things in our family to provide church for people because it's a gateway where people can learn about the word of God. And so my wife and I are going to tag team on this for the next few weeks so that you get the male perspective and the female perspective on on queens and kings. We're going to begin with queens because as uh, Queen Latifah said many years ago, ladies first. (laughs) I'm on an 80s hip hop thing right now. I don't know what it is, but ladies first. And it's also Mother's Day. So what better time to honor femininity and honor our ladies in the house by talking about the revelation of queens, okay? So if you want to turn in your Bibles right now to, or you could look on the screen as well, to 2 Samuel 9, 1 through 13. 1 through 13 is where we're going to start. And I want to lay a foundation before we get into queens and later on we're going to get into kings and why this is important that you identify with this revelation and about who you are. Because uh, I see, you know, right now it's, it's very trendy to call a man a king, but not every man's a king. I know, I know we don't like to hear those things. We like to hear we're all the same. We're not. And let me just say this, on the other end, not every woman is a queen. It takes something. Amen. How many remember your Disney uh, stories? Everybody in the story is not a queen, right? Everybody's not a princess. There are specific ones that were designated as royalty, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But I want you to catch this story right here, 2 Samuel 9, 1 through 13. It says this, David asked, is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now, there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. Everybody say Ziba. Ziba. Not Zima. Ziba. 
Some of you remember what Zima is. Amen. <laughs> so they summoned him to appear before David. And the king said to him, are you Zeba? And he said, at your service. The king asked, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? And Zeba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. And King David said, where is he? And Zeba answered, he is at the house of Machir, son of Amiel in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar from the house of Machir, son of Emiel. And when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he replied, at your service, don't be afraid, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. Now hear this. And I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. And Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and he said to him, I've given your master's grandson everything that belonged to his father, Saul, and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of my master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning that we could come before you and have the word challenge us and change us. I pray, Lord God, that your spirit would be here to help my wife and I connect revelation and stir up those areas in our lives that are still lacking the revelation of royalty. Father, we ask that your presence and your spirit would be here as we communicate these truths. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So my wife is just going to jump in uh, as you see fit. Amen. But listen, I wanted to share this story here to lay a foundation for you guys as to why we're spending some time on this, okay? Now, in this story, this, this is an amazing story, and I believe it's really prophetic about the New Testament Christians or about Elevate Life Church because it's a story where uh, King David has taken over the throne of Israel, and in him becoming king, he has taken the throne from the lineage of King Saul. And in King Saul's lineage, we know, was Jonathan, who was David's good, good friend. And Jonathan, it says there, then had a son whose name was Mephibosheth. But something tragic happened to Mephibosheth when he was, when he was young. You see, he was born in the palace, destined for royalty. But because war began to rage in the kingdom... Something happened that affected him for the rest of his life and also affected uh, his position in life. And 2 Samuel 4.4 4 tells us a little bit about that. 
uh, it says here, you can look on the screen, it says, Jonathan, the son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. And his nurse picked him up and fled. But as she hurried to leave, he fell and became disabled. His name was Mephibosheth. And so what we see here is a young boy. Now picture this. This young man was born in the, in the palace. He was raised to be royalty one day. He was raised to be an heir to the throne. He was born into a position that he would never know poverty. He would never know struggle. But then something happens where his family was affected through war. And the Bible tells us that he was given somebody that was to take care of him in his transition in the palace. And this woman or this nurse takes hold of him. And in, and in the upheaval, she drops Mephibosheth and injures both of his legs to where he becomes a cripple or a lame. He is not able to walk on his own. So think about this struggle. The Bible is real specific. It says there he was five years old when this happened. You see, Mephibosheth is a picture of you and I. It's a picture of you and I. I want you to put yourself in his position. Because whether you realize it or not, every single born-again person in this place was born in a position of royalty. Your father, the Bible makes very clear, is not your earthly dad or your earthly mother. The Bible says that you and I come from heaven. The book of Jeremiah says, before you, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. That means this, you and I, and we know this, most of us know this, we come from God. He is our heavenly father. And Jesus came to show us and point us back to the fact that we come from him. And so Jesus' whole ministry, he demonstrates to us the relationship. And anytime he prayed, he prayed, Father God up in heaven. Now, before that time, anybody else that prayed on the earth, they never used that term. It was Lord God, Almighty God. Jesus comes and he calls him Abba Father, Daddy. And the Bible makes it real clear that when we come to Jesus, we enter back into that relationship of the family of God. See, you and I, we're just like Mephibosheth. God sent you and I to earth. When we were born, we were royalty. But how many of you know something happened? There was an upheaval in the kingdom of God. Satan took hold and he got this idea. I will be greater than God. I will sit above the throne. And the Bible tells us he took a third of the angels with him. And they, there was war in the heavenlies. But let me just tell you this. The war only lasted for a second. Because Jesus said, I witnessed with my own eyes Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Mm -hmm. Have you all ever seen lightning? It's like that. It's like that. Boom. Satan gets this idea. He convinces a third of the angels in heaven to go with him. And God says, oh, no, 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 no. We ain't having that. And he casts Satan out to the earth, which was where God's creation, Adam and Eve, were living. And we know what happened there. Satan came in and see, he stole our birthright. He took our birthright. 
So you and I are like Mephibosheth, born into royalty, but the person who was supposed to take care of us and love us dropped us. How many of us can relate to that? How many of us can relate to our position in life? And up to this point, you've blamed it on your mom and dad. Man, if my mom and dad only served God, instead my dad was a drunk. Man, if my mom would have did this, would have did that. Listen, our parents, and I've said this before, we've got to let some things go. Our parents are imperfect. I'm imperfect. Listen, man, my prayer every day is, God, do not let me mess up these incredible kids that I have. I pray that. Do not let my imperfections, my anger, my frustration, the things I go through, come out on my kids to the place where they grow up lame, like Mephibosheth. See, all of us have been damaged by the nurse in some way, shape, or form. Can I get a good strong amen on that? All of us have. But that nurse, did you know your mom and dad were simply to transition you from the palace? But they dropped us. There's not a person in here that hasn't been damaged or hurt by somebody they love. There's not, because we're all imperfect. But here's the problem. We identify with the injury and we identify with the nurse more than we do the birthright. More than we do our original purpose. So that's where King David comes in. And the Bible says the king, David, after he's set up his kingdom, he goes, I got to restore some people to their place. It's the same thing Jesus did when he came to the earth. He comes to the earth. And he says, I've got to go back and get the rest of the kids. And what does he do? He does the same thing King David does. King David asks his servants, is there anybody of the household of Saul that I could be a blessing to? And King David then sends those servants to go get them. The same way God the Father sent a servant to come get you. Think about it. Some of us... Some of us were at the club. Some of us were doing dirt around South Sacramento. Some of us were out shooting drugs, getting high, drinking, and a servant came in some form or fashion. And they said, hey, you need to come to church. I want to invite you to come to church. What was that? It's the same thing that happened to Mephibosheth. The servants came and got you out of your situation. I'm so glad that God sent a servant to Capital Christian years ago when I graduated Valley High. I was a student at, at Sac City College and I was hurting. I was in my pain. I was lame. And I heard a servant share the message of Jesus Christ just like you did. And in that message, I responded and gave my life to God just like Mephibosheth does to King David in the story. Are you guys tracking with me? This story is about y'all. It's about us. But I want to point you to something as we're talking about kings and queens here that, that happened in, 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 in this story. Now, go back to the other scripture there. At the last part there, David meets Mephibosheth, and he says, I'm going to give you back everything that you were supposed to have because of who your father is. You see, Mephibosheth was supposed to be the next in line after Jonathan to be the king. He was supposed to be the ruler of the land. So David says, I'm going to give you back all of that. I'm going to give you back the lands. I'm going to give you back the money. I'm going to give you back the servants. 
the goats, the cattle, you name it, you got it. Are you guys tracking with me? He's restoring back everything. The same way Jesus is trying to restore to you everything that God intended for you in his original purpose for your life. Same thing. But here's what King David does, and you've got to catch this today because this is where the struggle enters in. King David gives him all that, and you'd have thought that'd be good enough because now he's rich, now he has provision, now he has a business, a job, he's good. But King David lays this on him. He says, and from now on, you will eat at my table forever. You got to catch this today. He says, from now on, this is the blessing that every day you eat at my table, which is reserved for the king's family. Now, that sounds like an exciting thing. Awesome, man, that's great, everything. But check this out. Every day, every day, Mephibosheth has to leave his lands, his house, his wealth, his deal, his life. And every day when he's hungry, he's got to get on a horse or however he traveled and go to the king's palace. And every day, whether it was three meals a day, I don't know. If it was just a dinner, I don't know. But King David makes it very clear that every day you're to eat in my table. Now, there's a reason why King David does that. Because food in the Bible, eating meat, eating things, always talks about doctrine. We see this in the uh, story of uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they went into the, uh, the nation of Babylon. And they're given these stipulations. And they say, King, we'll do everything you, do, you tell us to do, but we will not eat of your meat. What were they saying? We will not eat of your doctrine. We will not take on your beliefs. We will do this thing God's way. And the Bible is real clear. This is also why Jesus prayed in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. He's not talking about you just having food that day. He's talking about you eating of the right kind of food, the word of God, the king's word, renewing your mind with the right ideas, the right doctrine. So now look at this condition in this life. King David say, I'm going to give everything back to you, but... You must eat at my table every day. You know what he's saying? You must listen to my words, to what I say to you, to what I call you, to what I say you are, to what I say you're supposed to do. And this is where we lose Christians. Because we want the stuff, but we don't want to take time to eat at his table. Give me the stuff. Bless me. Give me healthy babies. Bless my ministry. Give me money. Make me rich. But the king is saying this. You got to eat at my table. You got to eat at my table. So Mephibosheth, you know, we think, oh, that's a great thing. I bet you it became a task every day. He had to leave his world, his house, to go and eat at the king's table. And sure, he had great food. But how many know sometimes you just want to eat at home? Can I get a good strong amen on that? Amen. Some of y'all are going to be saying that later on today when you try to take your mama out and there's a line out the door. <laughs> I mean, just sometimes I love eating out too, but sometimes I just want to be home. Well, think about Mephibosheth. He had that same thing. He had that same thing. But the king made it clear. I'm going to give you all that, 
but you got to eat at my table. And you know what? God the Father is saying the same thing to you and I. Mm -hmm. I'm going to bless your life, but you need to come to my house. You need to eat at my table. Why? Here's why. Because if Mephibosheth stopped eating at the king's table, he would go back to his old crippled, lame ways. And David didn't want that. David wanted him to have a position in the royal family. Are you tracking with me? So in order for him to have that, he had to be with David every day. So when he came into David's house, guess what it was? It was a reminder to him that he was royalty. We all need that. My prayer is when you come to Elevate Life Church, you're reminded of who you are. You don't belong in the club. You don't belong in clubs, drinking, shaking your butt. I know some of y'all don't believe me, but at some point, you got to decide to be royalty. Smile at me. This is Papa talking to y'all Mother's Day. You don't belong out there getting drunk, smoking weed. That's not you. I pray that when you come to church, you feel that. Because, see, if you stay away from the king's table, you go back to those lame ways. Talking like them. Saying things that shouldn't be coming out your mouth. Isn't that right, mama? Amen, mama? See, the old school mamas will tell you, "You, I better not hear that come out your mouth. My wife tells that to the kids sometimes. We're watching TV, and you know how TV is. Somebody will say something. My wife will look at the kids and go, I better never hear you say that word. That's a mama right there. But see, there's a problem when the kids are just talking like mama. See, you don't know you're a queen. You're not eating at the king's table. Are you guys with me today? So this is, this is the method and why David tells him, I'm going to give you all this, but hey, that's not the blessing. The blessing is you coming over my house every day, sitting with all the other princes and princesses and eating our food and sitting next to me because that speaks of identity. God is saying the same thing to you. But many of us here, we just want the blessing. Give us the blessing of a good life. I don't want to eat at your table. I'll stay at home. I got my own food. I'm good. And so it's a, it's a struggle for pastors all over the, the world. So you think when we ask, hey, where are you at? How come you ain't been at church? Like it's for us. Right. <laughs> like it makes us feel better when it's a full church. Right. Listen, I'm beyond that. I've been in this thing too long. Yeah. Five years in ministry, maybe that's how I felt. Maybe I would feel bad if nobody came. Oh, man, we, I suck. I can't preach, blah, blah, blah. Over, almost 30 years into this thing, I'm dumb over that. When I ask somebody where you've been, it's for your benefit. Because I know you're not eating at the king's table. That's right. And when we, don't eat, when we don't eat at the king's table, we go back to how we were. So what the main blessing that Mephibosheth received was, was a new identity. But his identity wasn't in the lands and the riches that he got back. It was in his position eating with King David. So are you guys hungry today? Yes. Having laid that foundation... We're going to begin to eat with you and piece by piece restore a new identity to you. Because some of y'all have been coming to church for too long and experiencing the blessings for too long, but you still don't believe you're a queen. You still don't believe you're a king. And we need to change that because kings and queens produce kings and queens. Scrubs produce scrubs. Hood rats produce hood rats. 
broke, busted up people reproduce after themselves. Are you tracking with me? So this is why this word is ringing on us. And, and this is why my wife and I were like, man, we need, we need to sit down. We need to have mommy and daddy time with the church. Because some of us aren't, aren't getting uh, uh, what God wants for us. You see, the blessing of Mephibosheth is not that he got everything back. It was his position at the table. Can you say something? Um, well, you were just saying that kings and queens produce kings and queens, but I think something, um, I think where we need to stay at is acknowledging where we're at so that we can identify with our royalty. And one of the things that um, I hear is I'm a queen or I want to be queen or I want to be treated like a queen when you haven't grown as a princess first. Mm, mm. And so uh, that's that's something that we need to uh, begin to identify with as we step out of the old identity, as we release uh, the brokenness, as we uh, stop identifying with the nurse who dropped us, whether it be our mom, our dad, or grandmother, or whoever it is that um, gave us those experiences that caused us to be lame in life. Uh, we have to grow. Our faithfulness is going to is going to be what produces fruitfulness in our lives. And in Genesis chapter two, verse eighteen, it says, "Now the Lord God said, it is not good." It is not beneficial for man to be alone. He says, I will make him a helper, one who balances him, mm. a counterpart, mm. who is suitable and complementary mm. for him. And so in this scripture, God is speaking about Adam and Eve, and he's talking about why he creates Eve, because it is not good for man to be alone. Wow. Eve is beneficial to, to Adam's life. The word beneficial means favorable and resulting in your good. And so, yes, men, recognize that the woman that God has called you to be with brings favor to you and adds goodness to your life. But as a woman, we need to understand that that's what we bring. Amen. I like what you just said right there in that there is a process to becoming a queen. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. And before, you know, all of us want to reach that place of being a king or a queen. But like she just said, for a queen, there's a process of being first a princess. Yes. And, and again, if you go back over your old fairy tales and stories, there's always a process to becoming a queen. When you look at what the Bible has to say about uh, queens and what Queen Esther had to go through, in the Bible, the Bible says she went through a process before she could become a queen. And I want to encourage all of the women here today to submit to the process of God uh, to become that queen and embrace the princess season. You know, what, what does that mean to you? Because the reason I ask my wife, there's a few things here, and I'm not just trying to get points on Mother's Day. All right. Because my wife, to me, as I've walked her through, as I've known her for the 19 years that we've been together, she is such a, a picture of Mephibosheth in so many ways. Because when I met her, and this happens when people are dating, God shows you the gold inside of them. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. How many of y'all, when you fell in love with your spouse, it was because you saw how awesome they were? Right? I would hope because you shouldn't have married him if you didn't, if you didn't think that, amen? But, you know... I saw the gold and the, and the queen inside of her. I saw the God inside of her. 
And before we got married, actually, I didn't meet her mother till after we got married. But when I met... On purpose. <laughs> when, when, that's a whole other story, but it, it plays into this. He might change his mind. It, play, it plays into this. She comes from a mother who had mental problems. You know, most of you know her story about her father and the abuse that took place uh, that he did to her at an early age. But they are not her origin. And I've watched her for 18 years process that truth when the Satan would like nothing more than to tie their identity to her and make her feel like, well, you're nothing. Your mom's mentally ill. Your dad's got issues. And they, what do you think? You're better. See, that works when you take God out. But when you realize the Bible says, no, he knew me when I was being formed in the womb, we realize our moms and dads are simply our caretakers. Yeah. And can I just remind our parents, you don't own your kids. Yeah. You don't. You don't own your kids. God gives us our children to steward them. And some of us have dropped them. Some of us have made some bad mistakes. And those of you that feel like you've been hurt, if you get back in line with the Lord, he puts you through a process. And I have watched you process that truth for years. And I know the enemy still tries to come and, and tie you to their identity. Can you speak anything, anything into that? Well, I think I tried to communicate that a few weeks ago when I uh, spoke about the truth versus the lie. Um, you know, being raised in that type of environment, even though I was raised in the church, my dad was a minister of the gospel. It still is. And so I knew the word. And what I, I pulled from the word at a young age was that God loved me, that he had a plan and a purpose for me, and he wanted me to live a good life, but I wasn't experiencing that good life. So it was bringing a lot of confusion because of things that were happening at home. So it took a long time um, as I lived through the abuse into my teenage years um, to get to a place where I was suicidal and started to feel like I didn't want to live anymore. Um, and in and, and those moments, God was sending me servants. God was sending me David. He was sending me those voices to speak into my life, messengers to tell me, God loves you. There's more for your life. And this is not who you are. What you're experiencing is not who you are, that there's so much more in God. And so the process to me begins with um, no matter where you're at, no matter what your circumstance is, no matter what's being said to you, that you find it in yourself because we have strength inside of us. It doesn't matter how weak you feel or how battered down or abused you are. There is strength on the inside of you. And so if you can just tap into that strength, find that strength to pursue God, to have hope, to believe, to have that small amount of faith, to say, God, I want what you have for me, God will answer that cry. God will answer that pursuit. And so it was from the very beginning where I started to say, these are the things that have happened to me, but it can't be what God wants for me. It can't be. And so how do I find what God wants for me? And so it, it's been a battle from day one, but not just because of all the bad things that I've been through. It's because this is the way it is for all humans across the board. So if I can press through, you can too, no matter what you've been through. So women, 
the process of fighting through that and pressing into becoming the Proverbs 31 woman, becoming the woman who is suitable, becoming the woman who is appropriate for a particular purpose, uh, um, person or situation. Because a lot of times we believe about ourselves that we're not good enough. We're not worthy enough. We're not valuable enough. But we have to believe that we were created, God created um, Eve for Adam because it wasn't good for him to be alone. Because he needed favor on his life. He needed a good thing, and that's what we are. Whether you're single or married, young or older, you are a good thing. Because that's what God says that you are. And so for me, the process with me being a princess and growing into a queen... And having to take those thoughts, break them down, and replace them with God's thoughts, which is sitting at the king's table every day. Amen. So there's a process involved in becoming royalty, guys. It doesn't just you know, happen through osmosis. And this is what I was explaining to our guys at Kingsmen and why it's important that they commit to come to that. Because the only way to become a, a, a man of God or, or come into your place of royalty as a king or a queen is through a process. And this is also talked about in the story we just read about Mephibosheth because the Bible says that he lived in a place called Lodabar. And Lodabar in the Hebrew language means this, no word, no communication. So he was living in a place where he wasn't hearing God's word. And David and the servants called them out of that. You see, that was part of him being at that table was part of him renewing his mind changing, coming into that. Because before being at the king's table, he was living in a place of no word, no communication. And that's why we need to leave that. And that's why we need to discipline our lives and teach our families. The house of God is important. Being in God's house is important. Being a part of God's house is important. Can I get a good strong amen on that? Not because it makes, you know, not because it's doing your, 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 you know, Christian duty, it's because it's your place at the table. Every Sunday, our prayer is that you're affected to come in to your place and your position as royalty. And so that was one of the things uh, that happened. And that's what began the process in Mephibosheth's life to be royalty. And so like she's saying, we have to give ourselves over to that process. And it starts with the word of God. Okay. So let's look at Genesis chapter 1 and, and start there. Uh, and, and we're not going to go too much longer. I know people got to get to the buffet line and whatever. Uh, everybody's taking their mamas out today, and that's good. Let her, hey, let her eat good today. Amen, daddies? Let her get the lobster today. Amen? I didn't get no amens on that. That's all right. Genesis chapter 1, it says this, 26 through 31, you can look on the screen. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image in our likeness, so that they may rule. Here's the word rule. That's for kings and queens. Over the fish in the sea, the birds of the sky, the, over the livestock, over the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So here it is. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I want to pause on that because we live in a society still that places a higher value on men than it does women. And some of our cultures that we grew up in, some of the things we love about our culture are not godly. Can I get a good strong amen on that? Amen. I know you love the nation you come from. I know you love the flag you were born under. Smile at me. But there's a higher flag. It's called the kingdom of God. 
Some of us are raised in cultures like Hispanic culture, whether it's Mexican, El Salvadorian, or whatever of those South American, Central American countries. In a lot of those nations, they're very oppressive towards women, and they place a higher value upon men than they do women. And can I just tell you from the word of God, that is not God's original intent. Can I get a strong amen from Elevate Life Church on that? What we're reading here is that God made man in his image, and man is male and female. Amen? Amen. So if you married a woman, she is not less than you. She's on the same par as you. She, ladies, you are made in the image of God. What it says right there. Are you tracking with me today? See, some of us were raised in some abusive cultures towards women. Do you know the crimes of, against women around the world is ridiculous? It's ridiculous. And I believe it's because Satan hates women, and we'll talk about that later on. But I just think it's important on Mother's Day and that you understand that you have to value women because women are made just like men in the image of God. And so the way we speak to women, the way we talk about women, the way we treat women is indicative of how we view God. Are you with me today? Now, the reason we got to take time and point this out is because some of us have been damaged by women. I hear women say all the time, I'd rather hang out with dudes than women. I can't stand women. And that's a problem. Because if you don't like women, you don't like yourself if you're a woman. That's what that statement really says. And so if you don't like yourself, you don't like the image of God. So we've got to get healthy viewpoints about the opposite sex, about men and women. But today we're talking about our queens. And queens, you have to value who God has created you to be. You know, in some cultures, in some cultures, when a daughter is born, the, the parents almost grieve in a sense because the value is more placed on sons above women. And I'm just telling you, that's a crime. That's a crime. Are you guys seeing that today? So God made men and women, male and, God made man, created in male and female, he created them. Now listen to this, God blessed them and said to them, be faithful, increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I will give you seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, Then every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And so it was. And God saw that he was made and it was very good. And there was evening and morning and the sixth day. See, God's using royalty language. Rule over it. Subdue it. Have dominion. Because we're born in the image of God. Let me, let me take it a, a step further for you. If we come from God, Think about the things we were saying earlier. Lions have, when they have babies, they don't have tigers. Amen? They have lions. Dogs, you're never going to go home after your dog's pregnant, and he's never going to have kittens. Right? I know you wish he would, but he ain't going to have it. It ain't going to happen. Everything produces after its own kind. This is stated in the book of Psalms, but the Bible translators got scared of what the actual translation was. And there's a psalm that says God has created us a little bit lower than the angels. 
But that scripture translated in the original Hebrew reads like this. God created us a little lower than himself. If God is our father, there's godness in you. And the reason that's scary is because what cults teach is that you are your own God. We're not saying that. But what we are trying to connect ourselves with is if we come from God the Father, we have his DNA in us. That's why at this church we tell you, believe and speak. How did your daddy create the earth? He believed and spoke. Let there be light. Let there be this. Let there be that. What was Adam's job in the garden? The Bible says every animal God created, he brought it to Adam. And he said, Adam, my son, call it what it is. And Adam's job in the family business was to call things what they were. When this big old animal came with this long neck and these long legs, he looked at it and he said, giraffe. So as we're talking here, what he's doing is giving you clues and keys on the process of, become, of working through becoming a princess and stepping into being a queen. And number one, you can write this down. I said the first thing is, is that you have to believe. You have to find the strength on the inside yes. of you to believe. That's the first thing. The second thing is to speak it. Mm -hmm. So good. To speak what it is that you're choosing to believe. And so... When you say, speak it, speak what I'm choosing to believe, okay, speak what the word says about you. And so some of us princesses were saying things like, well, that's just not me. Well, I'm just not like that. Mm. Or like he said, well, I don't, I don't like girls. I don't like women. All my best friends are guys because I don't get along with women. Those are the things that you're speaking, and that is not royalty speaking. Even in the, even in, uh, you know, in places where there are kings and queens and they're having children, those children don't just step into knowing how to live a royal life. They're trained on how to live a royal life. They're invested in, they're given classes by someone who knows the ropes. And so for me, I knew I don't know how to be a princess. I don't know how to be a queen. I don't know how to live the way God created me to live. I have no clue. What I know is what I've experienced and what I've seen, and it can't be what God has intended. And so I have to seek out. As, a, as parents, like he said, your children do not belong to you. They are given to you. Those are gifts, and you have to steward their lives. You have to teach them. You have to train them how to become a prince, a princess, and grow into a king and queen. And so the only way we can do that the right way is by going to the word of God. But those of us who have had parents who dropped us the lame and caused us to be lame, we have to recognize I'm lame. Mm. I got to seek out someone who isn't lame and is producing faithfulness and fruitfulness in their life. And I got to pull from that. And it doesn't matter how old you are. Does not matter how that old That journey you are. could begin at age 50. You could finally go, man, it's time I learned how to be a queen doesn't have to be age. Just because you're old doesn't mean you're a queen. It's a process. It is a process. And saying, well, that's just not how I am, or that's just not how I, how I think. That's just not how I do things. Forget about that. The way you've learned how to think and do things and be comes out of your experiences in life and the culture around you. You can learn how to be something different. Mm. You have to make a decision as a woman I don't want to be an angry woman. I don't want to be a bitter woman. The Bible says in Proverbs that a good woman is hard to find. She's hard to find. 
I don't want to be looked over. I want to be found as a good woman. Amen. Praise God. So that's what needs to be. That's what needs to happen. So here's the here's the thing that I want you to catch from what she just said. You can never be a queen being lazy because you have to submit to the process of becoming that, which means the process is many times uncomfortable. You know, when you read about Queen Esther, when she was getting ready to, to, to meet the king and be prepared, the Bible says that she went through a year of bathing in perfumes, a year of bathing in perfumes. I, I, I mean, that's, that's, that sounds nice, but come on, you get that in your eyes or something? <laughs> or in some other crevice of your body? I'm just saying, it can't feel good. Probably uncomfortable. But see, the process many times is uncomfortable. Um, I know for my wife and I, because of our background, we weren't born into this royalty thing or this godly thing. We've had to learn it. And we've had to many times be put in uncomfortable situations with people that know more than us. Uh, and it can feel uncomfortable at times. So we've sat in rooms with other pastors and other pastors' wives and heard their conversations. And we couldn't relate at all because we didn't have what they have. We didn't, we've never done what they've done. And so when you're in situations like this, you could either lean into it and glean or you run from it and you can resist it. Yeah. And so I'm up here saying that that's what I, those are the decisions that I chose, that I ran after those things. But like he's saying, there were times where I resisted it. And the times when I resisted it was, well, I'm not like her. Mm. Those are the things that I listen to. And so we, as women, we cannot listen to what we're saying to ourselves. We need to tell ourselves what to listen to, if that makes sense. Because I've had times, like you said, I can remember even sitting in the pulpit and listening to a message from the, from the pulpit of a woman preaching and just feeling so frustrated, so defeated, and so discouraged going, I can't even follow along with what she's saying. Because I cannot relate to anything that's coming out of her mouth. And thinking to myself, I should just give up. I should just quit because I don't relate to anything that's coming out of her. I'm not like her. And I, I can't be like her. But God wasn't asking me to be like her. He was asking me to hear the spirit of what was coming out of her, which is him. Because he's asking me to be like him. So that's sometimes a lie that the enemy will speak to you when someone, a, a woman is trying to speak into your life or build you up or you see something positive about a woman. Remove the excuses that I'm not like her or I can't be like her or that's not the way that I am. This is just the way that I am. You need to get rid of that. That needs to exit from your language and you need to recognize that there's something from God on the inside of that woman and that you need to pull from that. And there's been times when, I, when I've had women speak into my life and go, you know, when we've had struggles or whatever and them look at me and say, Tina, you're wrong. You're being prideful. You're being controlling. Mm -hmm. You're being manipulative. And, and I would harden my heart and think, well, you don't know me. Mm. If you think that I'm being manipulative, then you don't know me. That's what I would feel and think inside of me. And you know what that is? It's resistance. Mm. It's an excuse so that I, I don't have to go through the process of changing. Mm. Because it's more comfortable for me to stay in the reality of my experiences because then I can justify being angry, being unforgiving, and building walls and not having other women as friends. Amen. And so one other thing I want to point to as we're getting ready to, to close today is 
And like what we're saying, there's a process. You have to go after it. Think about Mephibosheth again. The Bible says at five years old is when this injury happened. Now, by the time David goes after him, he's already a grown man who has grown up in Lodabar, the place of no word and no communication. He's basically grown up far from a king, okay? And now every day he has to go to the king's table. He didn't know the king's manners. He didn't know the traditions of the king, the customs of the king, what you do, how you act. Come on, how many of you remember the first time you went to a really nice restaurant and you looked at two forks, a spoon, two spoons, a knife. What's this long thing over here? It's a butter knife. You didn't even know that. That's how I was. The first time I went to a place like that, I was like, well, I didn't I want to touch nothing. I was like, oh, my gosh, well, do I use this one? Do I use that one? What, what do I do? You know, because most of us at home, I didn't even need silverware. It was a luxury. I got forks. Cool, whatever. It wasn't that bad, but you guys know what I'm saying. So, I mean, we've all had that experience where we go someplace nice and we're kind of intimidated. Imagine that was Mephibosheth's responsibility every day, or or should I say his experience every day. And he had to sit there and be humble and have people say, no, 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 you don't pick up your fork before the king does. And he's sitting there waiting, well, I'm hungry. Dang, you know, in my house, we just eat, you know. No, no, no. You don't use that fork, you use this. You can't leave the table until the king excuses you. You see what I'm saying? We've all been through things like that. And if anybody's ever had a mom try to teach you manners, it's frustrating, right? Some of our young people, right? Do moms still teach manners? <laughs> they should, amen. <laughs> but nobody likes it. I never liked it when my mom put me, told me, hey, hey, don't chew with your mouth open, you know, or whatever. He still doesn't like it. I still don't like it. My <laughs> wife tells me that sometimes. But that's part of the process of becoming a king and a queen. Amen? So I want to leave you with this last thing uh, that Pastor Chris Sarno, in our meeting, we had a great time at our school of leaders with him. We were ta- went into this whole thing about relationships between men and women. One of the things he said, and I want to leave you with this on Mother's Day, and I've oftentimes said it like this, that women are the answer to a perfect world. The reason we get that is because in Genesis, when the Bible says God created the heavens and the earth, it says that everything was good. It was a perfect environment. But there was only one thing that God said was not good, and that was that Adam was alone. So what is the answer to a perfect world? A woman. It's a woman. Ladies, let that get on your insides and value who you are. But Chris Sarno took it a step further, and he said it like this. When God created woman, he created woman acknowledging that he was not, we would not be enough for Adam. So he had to bring woman into the equation. Think about that. God himself said, if it's just me and Adam, it's not enough. He needs a woman. Men, we have got to learn how to value women. Women, you have got to learn how to value yourself. There's nothing sadder than a queen that doesn't know she's a queen. A queen that doesn't know she's a queen will put up with all kinds of junk, will let people talk to her the wrong way, will have attitudes, will will present herself in an unqueenly way. You know, I poke fun at these shows all the time, like Housewives of Wherever City, and these women wear diamonds, and they have handbags, and they have their makeup and hair done like a queen, but their attitudes are far from queenly. The way they talk, the language they use, it's a scrub in a queen's body. That is not, and that's what society is calling queens today. 
come to the king's table every Sunday. And we're going to get the process going in our lives. We want to raise up a church full of kings and queens. Because then your kids will be princes and princesses. And we won't have to bail them out of jail. And we won't have to have them become mothers before their time. Smile at me. That's not a judgment. This is we got to want better for the next generation. Can I get an amen on that? We've got to want them to get good jobs and go to college. But see, we can only reproduce what we are. I want you to, everybody here, do you have anything else to share on that? I want to just uh, pray for you in a moment. But I want everybody here to just bow your heads and, and close your eyes for a moment. Because I don't want anything worth sharing to be in any way degrading or, or put you in a place to where you feel bad about what you are. That's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to build us up. We're trying to identify ourselves with who God's called us to be as kings and queens. Every person in here was destined. You came from God, according to the book of Jeremiah. He knew you. He formed you in your mother's womb. Maybe on Mother's Day today, you still struggle with the fact that you were dropped by the ones that were supposed to care for you. Maybe your father wasn't there. Maybe your mother wasn't there. Heck, it was hard. You had to work two jobs. She had to do the job of a mom and a dad. Listen, we need to forgive our parents for their issues. We need to forgive them for coming home stressed out or not having enough time for you. We need to forgive them of that and reconnect you back with your heavenly father. And maybe you're here today and you're not serve, you're not even serving God. Well, I'm that messenger in the story today. I've come from the king to bring you back into the kingdom of God. And while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, maybe you're living in the land of no word. I'm here today on Mother's Day to come and say the king wants you to come and live in his house. The king wants to restore to you the identity that you originally had. You're not a victim of abuse anymore. You're not a lame person. You're not, a, you're not the son or a daughter of alcoholic parents and abusers. No, you come from God and Jesus wants to restore your place at the table. But you got to do something first. And if you're here today and you're not serving Jesus, come back to him. Let him restore you to your kingship, your queenship. Let him, let him bring you back into your original purpose. Stop living like a victim of abuse. Stop living like an ex-drug addict, an ex-alcoholic. Stop living like a divorcee. That doesn't, that doesn't define you. You're a queen. You're a king. I think that this is your way of telling me something. Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the App Store. And you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church.